When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, that's pretty bad. 112 to 103. The Raptors lose to the Miami Heat. That's a tough game. I gotta be I gotta be honest, man. It's uh a game where I think Darko tried to get away with maybe some of the lineups you thought he was getting a little bit adventurous, perhaps. Uh the shot making was really lopsided in the Raptors starting lineup, cut between two halves basically. And that has happened in other games as well. It's not like, you know, it's a team game. Guys have to shoot well. Uh, Some games, some guys are going to have tough shooting games. Other games, there has to be kind of a floor that you operate at. And the Raptors, for the most part, operated at their floor offensively. But the, the bad part is that their offensive floor is quite low. And on top of that, I think that they did a, they had a really tough job trying to force turnovers from the Heat. The Heat kept a lot of their possessions got a lot of chances to get shots up. They scored really well on the putbacks that they did get, find a shooter, hit a shot. They had that huge Caleb Martin burst to start the game and kind of put the Raptors on the back foot. And at the end of it, the Raptors lose, 112 to 103. And this is a Heat team, mind you, that isn't playing Bam Adebayo or Tyler Hero um, or Haywood Highsmith. Uh, These are like important players to the Heat. Obviously, Bam Adebayo is massive. Uh, Tyler Hero is not as massive, but he's important. And the Raptors, like in a game where, what, OG and Pascal combined for 26 shot attempts, they scored 53 points on those. They each had six assists, like 12 assists to four turnovers. Uh, Just their production alone was insane. And then like it's, I I don't want to harp too much on Scotty because it, it was a tough game and the Heat defend in a way that's tough for him to implement himself. But five for 17 uh, and following that, you know, tough performances thing, you get four of 18 from Dennis and Dennis, you know, nine points, three turnovers, five assists, five boards. Like I've said this, you know, quite a few times, Dennis isn't supposed to be the guy who saves the season from the mid-level exception spot. He's not supposed to be like this great lead guard or anything like that. That's fine. It's tough in this game. He called his own number a little bit too often. I hate the word selfish. I don't think Dennis is selfish. I hate that. I hate that Masai said that and kept like propagating selfishness. And one day he'll probably be like, why do, why does the fan base think all the players are selfish? It's like they use the words you give them. If you call players selfish, a team selfish, all this kind of stuff, they're going to search for that nonstop. If you say somebody is bad at cutting, or if you say somebody like falls asleep and gets like, cut behind all the time people start looking there's so many things to watch in basketball whatever you direct people's attention to that isn't just like shot making they're going to start noticing more oh man i don't think it's selfishness but like bad game from dennis and i don't think he called his own number out of selfishness i thought 
that the Raptors were having a tough time offensively. And Dennis was like, I'm going to try and get us out of this. There have been maybe like four or five games this season where he has been able to shoot the ball very well. Like tonight, he was one of five from downtown. We've seen like four of seven from downtown from him. We've seen three of five. He was four of 18 overall. We've seen better games. Um, Troller, <laughs> great name, brings up Scotty can't do anything with that, with how horrible that spacing is. The spacing is really tough. And that's why uh, I think that um, that Pascal was really practiced at getting into this. Pascal has been working out of a broom closet for years and years now. And you could see the Heat defended Pascal and Barnes basically the same way that they're sending 1.5. They're not committing to the double, but they're having a guy constantly like able to double if they need. You can't turn into a driving lane. They're going to push you baseline so they can double on the baseline and trap you. And they're going to have a guy sitting in the gap, sitting in the lane, so you can't turn middle. And that's how they're going to guard you. They did that to Scotty. Scotty got rid of the ball pretty quickly. Pascal used longer dribbles, probed, got deeper, brought the help farther, started turning the defense. Like He's very practiced at that, which is why like OG's shot making in this game, the 5 of 10 from 3 is really awesome. But Pascal getting to the line 11 times, 9 of 13 otherwise, this is uh, this is really, really, it was, he was very practiced dealing with that. Everyone mad about Dennis. Um, yeah, Dennis has high usage. These are not excuses, though. This is, I come out here after every game and I say what happened on the court. Like, the actions, what they did, what the defensive coverage was. These aren't excuses. Like, Dennis took too many shots. I said it. I said that. And then I, I prescribed what happened, why he did that. It's not excuses. You guys just want me to hate players? Is that what this is after these games? Sometimes I feel like that, um, truthfully. But anyway, the thing that I'm focused on, yes, Scotty, he figured it out by the end. It wasn't an efficient fourth quarter, but he had two catch-and-shoot three-pointers. That's six points. He got to the line, or sorry, he got into the paint, I should say, not to the line. I don't think he took any free throws in this game. But... He got into the paint as an offensive rebounder, as a live dribble creator. And it's kind of like, that's the nice thing about Scotty. And especially like, holy, the three-point shot coming along. I know in this game, he's two for seven. You still take that. Like maybe, maybe it would have been better to get him into the paint a little bit more often, a little bit earlier, certainly. But two for seven as a down game, that's that's pretty good. And, and teams, they react to the three-point shot. It'll be something that builds going forward. But... As far as what's happening with Scotty's offense, the extra players in the lane bothered his dribble. He isn't as practiced out of the post as, say, Pascal is. And Pascal is really, really good at taking all that extra attention. He did so in this game. And this isn't a big deal. Like, Scotty, I thought he came on strong at the end. Obviously, as far as the Raptors winning games this season... It would have been nice if Scotty could have like turned the corner, realized the matchup, how he wanted to attack it a little bit earlier in this game. It was very quiet for a long time, but this is year three. Um, Scotty deserves tons of patience, and I think he got, what, 11 shots up in the fourth quarter? Hit like three or four of them? I love that, that aggressiveness, just to like try and make it happen. The Raptors, over the course of the game, they lost it with their offense being bad. But in the fourth quarter, they got... You know, they got enough st stops for a point in time, but then they just couldn't get any stops down the stretch. And so that's kind of the thing. Um, Core Andrew says stars play for the whole game. 
Certainly they do. Scotty still hasn't been voted into an all-star game. He hasn't been selected to all-NBA. He's year three, and he's, what, 21 games into it. It's going to be up and down. There's not that. The players who are, like, all-star year three, all-NBA year three, are future Hall of Famers almost always. Scotty deserves time, man. Uh, the Raptors have built a team that doesn't shoot the ball well, is currently underperforming a little bit defensively, and a team that has trouble scoring. Scotty, Pascal, whoever you think is the best player on the team currently, can't lift this team to a victory every night. You certainly would have liked to see it tonight. You certainly would have liked to see a better performance from Dennis, a better performance from Scotty, a better performance from Jakob. Jakob got outplayed by, jeez, he got outplayed by Orlando Robinson. Like. Orlando Robinson stat line, 15 points, three steals, one block, 12 boards, four assists, plus 27. Isn't that nuts? That is a crazy game. Uh, my friend Nabil called it the Alexis Aginsa game, and which I think is kind of funny. If anybody remembers Alexis Aginsa killing the Raptors on like baseline jumpers or like 14 foot jumpers and just being able to kind of be like a hawk in the lane it's uh he, good for orlando and and especially that orlando had like that that pump get middle take the take the the rotation spin off of it right-handed hook he made two of those this is a this is a guy creating from the three-point line at his size what the hell that's that's kind of crazy <laughs> don't we think like super super impressive um james says we should have traded a pick for orlando robinson instead here's the cool thing you wouldn't even you wouldn't have had to he was he was available um super impressive game like all the props in the world to orlando robinson i thought that he was like positionally sound as a defender i thought he he gave them tons of pop offensively he got out on the break it's just like big guys being where they need to be and then as i said like spinning into the lane these hook shots Contested hook shots in the lane, cashing a triple, the the steals. You're like, what the hell, man? Good for you. It's, uh, yeah. Um, Lennon says, so Scotty plays bad and you give him a pass. Pascal play bad and you want to trade him. I can't wait till you turn on Scotty. Here's the thing, man. Uh, I give Scotty a pass because he's super young. Uh, a lot of people say that I give Pascal a pass. In fact, there's a very a prominent person who consistently says that that's what I do. And uh, while I, I would prefer that they don't trade Pascal, I don't want Pascal traded. I think he's one of the most important players to this franchise in the history of it. But the Raptors have put themselves in a tough position as far as team building wise. And after every single game and a huge majority of the Raptors fan base wants to talk about trading Pascal, I'm not going to blame anybody for wanting to build a different type of team. Pascal is one of my favorite players to ever cover though. Uh, but Scotty gets more leniency as far as like, uh, getting critiqued because he's year three in 2018, 19, uh, was, would we be like dogging Pascal for what, what his third year or whatever? It's, uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, OG three says the narratives people make up for Samson's agenda are hilarious and always wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Like Sam Vecini comes on and like all the prominent writers and stuff are like, wow, Samson, this, this guy knows so much about Scotty Barnes. And then some people are like, this guy knows nothing. He's late to the party. And then some people are like, you know, Samson hates Pascal. And it's like, where the hell did this come from? And the truth is, I've been consistently covering this team for years 
talking majority, like majority, very positively um, about the nuts and bolts of the team, what goes on. And what happens when people watch is uh, people project stuff onto you, which is unfortunate because I'm a human being over here, just as a, a heads up. I really, ugh, defensively down the stretch, miss coverages. Uh, I know lots of people will think about like the going under on Duncan Robinson. That hurts. Scotty's arms went up at the same time as Darko's. That doesn't always indicate that it's Scotty's fault. Um, who knows? You would think like you don't want to go under, but he could have been trying to get a switch and then uh, all that kind of stuff. Who knows, really, right? And then even earlier in the game, you get like Pascal closing out on Jimmy Butler and it's late clock and Jimmy doesn't shoot the threes very well, and but he doesn't get a hand up. And you're like, damn, tough to see that going. Caleb Martin, raining hellfire. It's like, damn, tough to see those going, especially since his jumper has changed. Like his jumper is different now than it was in the Eastern Conference Finals when he went nuts. There's less lift on it. He looks like he's in the the middle of like a huge overhaul from downtown. And he was shooting 29% from three coming into this game. And he starts out like three or four, ends up four or seven. I think he scored 23 points or 22 in the first, jeez, uh, almost cursed, in the first however many minutes. And then he finishes at 27, pass, or sorry, 24. Pascal did a pretty good job sticking him for large portions of the game after that. But man, uh, Duncan Robinson having 21, Kale Martin 24. Like you you hold Jimmy to 19 and 8. Uh, that's that's pretty good. You get 15 from Orlando Robinson, 24 from Kale Martin, 21 from Duncan Robinson. And then Hawkes, like Hawkes made the 1-3, but a lot of it was he's putting the ball down, shoulder into chest, creating separation. And he did that to like three different guys. Even, I don't know if you call it a poster because Scotty didn't really jump. He like geared up to jump. But it was like that quick little left to right cross and gets into the lane, punches it. These guys just had a hell of a game, like multiple. It's uh, it's tough, man. This uh, And then offensively, it, it was tough because in some sense, the Raptors achieved things that they weren't able to achieve all season long. Uh, they go 15 of 17 from the free throw line, 88%. That's not a commonality for them. They go 14 of 37 from three, largely big thank you to OG for that. And that's 38% on high volume. That's great. And they lose this game because some of the hallmarks of what they've been able to do was that they couldn't turn the other team over. They didn't really rebound their own misses and they weren't good in transition. This is a team that doesn't have like an overwhelming amount of talent and they're not greater than the sum of their parts by, you know, kind of combining together and coalescing into something more. Um, There's more talent on this team than the record indicates, but it's mismatched. It doesn't fit together super well. And so they can have some things go right and they'll lose. They can get a lot of things that go right and they'll lose. It's the tough thing. They have to perform better defensively if they're going to have an offense this inept feckless for the people waiting for the feckless drop if the offense is going to be this feckless the defensive floor has to be higher the defensive floor has been okay so far this season not a ton of like defensive letdown games most of them come around as like hey it's it's been you know a decent game defensively or a ho-hum game defensively but if they want to succeed and not be nine and twelve be like twelve and nine 
13 and 8 on the way to like 44 plus wins or something like that they have to defend at like a top seven unit they have to defend like top five they have to be there that's what that's what it has to be um phoenix plays east since it's about kyle lowry two words of advice before i head out i have an exam tomorrow first of all good luck um number one don't post up kyle lowry number two don't post up kyle lowry good night everybody hey good luck on your exam but also the first play of the game didn't or maybe not the first play of the game i'm trying to think i think it was the first play of the game they ran horns chin punch and i'm pretty sure scotty scored on lowry on a post up but anyway good luck on your exam um i i hope you do extremely well uh yeah the raptors for the most part though not being able to establish their offense and not being able to lean on a really good defense they have a good defense certainly um by the number the numbers bear that out they do a lot of things that you know modern nba defenses want to do they did it against the heat tonight but if the heat don't turn the ball over you get enough shots enough kicks at the can and the raptors you hold the heat to like an okay night defensively they they did really good in transition defense they were ho-hum in the half court you have an opportunity to outscore them then you put yourself in a position where hey you can win and guess what they just don't score enough and there's there's a lot of reasons for that. I think that the Heat they, I think that the Heat had a really good defensive scheme for what the Raptors wanted to do. They went to the zone really quickly to throw the Raptors out of sorts, throwing a lot of attention at Scotty, making Scotty make the skip pass, making that pass from the corner, then go up above the break, making those guys create. This is also why this was a really good game for OG as far as his creation pump and go stuff off the bounce had a couple baskets to get downhill uh that's part of what the heat are trying to make them do og was fantastic he hit like above the break threes he was able to kill the heat when they rotated like that but the heat are still getting what they want ultimately by loading up at the point of attack and making sure that pascal and scotty by extension don't have a ton of driving lanes to twist and get into the defense they're also collapsing really low tagging everything going to the rim and making sure that the raptors who have found let's say a lot of success offensively over the past 10 12 games by in particular running a lot of those high low actions with Jakob to get either scotty og or pascal this ball down in the paint the heat are overloading tagging on those actions making sure that those guys are seeing a ton of attention and making sure that they can front or hang a guy over top and make sure that they can um, disrupt the passing lane. And then on top of that, some of the pick and roll actions that the Raptors have been running that have succeeded lately with Scott and Pascal as the ball handler, they're overloading on those, forcing that skip pass so that they don't get those lay downs to Jakob. This is why Jakob has been scoring a lot the past however many games. Tonight, two points. Assists, one. What happened? The Heat, Spolstra, they very clearly saw what the Raptors were doing what the Raptors have been doing better than almost any other team in the NBA is making those north-south high-low passes. They have the personnel to do it. They have the skill sets to do it. They have the best passing front court in the NBA. They have the worst shooting front court in the NBA, but the best passing front court. So how do you stop that? You overload on those passes. You try and make them create off of dribbles. You try and move the ball onto guys like OG and the ball onto guys like Schroeder. OG, superb tonight. Schroeder, not remotely shooter i think was put in a position where he's getting the ball 
the defense is a little bit rotated towards other guys. And he has a he has a decision to make. Am I getting deep to try and turn the defense so I can carry the advantage of the play and keep it moving and find somebody else? Am I getting deep trying to score? Am I going to take the shot that's here or am I going to keep trying to create? And some of that he has to take because the Heat do a good job of sapping time from the clock. Like if Pascal is seeing, you know, the 1.5 defense and he has a live dribble and he's just like, you know, Kyle, you're hanging out in the lane. I see what you're doing. I need to bring you farther down. It takes a little bit of time. So maybe there's less time on the shot clock at the end of the possession for Dennis. But, you know, probably six or seven times, which is a third of his shot attempts, I'm looking at it like it's tough to justify the shot you just took. And I don't think that's selfishness. Uh, I talked about this with Blake and Hanlon's Hanlon's razor. Now, I, I don't like the stupidity aspect of that, but it's just that not making the right decision on the basketball court is not always born out of like, I'm selfish and I want to do something for me. Sometimes it's somebody's just being like, this is the right play. I'm going to try and make it. And Dennis had way too many of those tonight. And I think Dennis, like his, his usage should be lower, but I still think like, man, I obviously Darko really Darko likes Dennis. Before the season started, I I thought that the Raptors were going to put Scotty at point guard, and I thought that Gary Trent Jr. would enter the starting lineup, and I thought that that is how the Raptors were going to try and run it, and I thought that Dennis was going to be like the shepherd for the bench, leading that unit, and then obviously with some transitional lineups, but that hasn't been the case. And I've talked about this on almost every single podcast. The reason why is because point guards move the Raptors through actions a lot. And coaches love working through the actions, getting multiple shots at it, seeing how the defense responds to like the second action. Like what coverage did they run on this back screen? Okay, oh, they're top blocking this pin down. Interesting. Now I get to change how I do things later in the game. And Dennis has ran the Raptors through a lot of actions. But the problem this season largely is that Actions aren't dangerous with Dennis running them. The The pick and roll numbers aren't good. Like they're fine. They're below average. And it's just like, it's tough, man. It's it's tough for a player like Schroeder to be tasked with so much of the offense, which Darko has done. And Darko has big upped him uh, talking about Dennis, like how important he is, how great he thinks he is. And I think Dennis has done a good job, especially relative to the money he gets paid but I do think that the Raptors are a team who needs more possessions going elsewhere on the roster. It's up to Darko to make that fit. It's up to Darko to make sure that his best players see as much of the ball as possible in as many advantageous places as possible. And we can see in some games, they're not able to meet that. And, you know, in a lot of games, there's been a tricky, very tricky equilibrium to strike, I think. And this was a really bad game for that because the Raptors had hyper, hyper successful offense coming from Pascal. They had hyper, hyper successful off ball stuff coming from OG and they couldn't funnel enough possessions to those guys. And um, OG three says, I kind of thought the whole point of this development season was putting Scotty in position to get those reps, to run the team through actions fast and learn some of that point guard skill. I, I thought the Raptors tried, well, the Raptors tried to trade Pascal in the offseason. And 
I think everybody, I think Darko expected this team to look different than it has. And so I think he's been adjusting on the fly. I think that all this kind of stuff is helping impact that. And yeah, it's it's tough because if Scotty is getting like point guard possessions, you're not, you're probably not going to be a very good team this season. Uh, if Pascal was gone, even if like you you move Pascal and the Raptors get back like a couple good shooters and one is like a movement shooter, I still think the team is getting probably worse. And I don't think Scotty's at the point right now where he can just like completely commandeer possessions like a whole bunch over the course of a game and like run offense and all that kind of stuff. If the Raptors want to do it, they're going to have to take their lumps. And they seem like scared of the lumps right now. Scotty isn't scared of the lumps, I don't think. Like you give Scotty the ball and you make him run a bunch of actions above the break and that you a lot of them probably get blown up. His dribble get attacked. He has to figure out responses. He has to figure out his counters. But that's a good thing. But it might not be like winning basketball immediately. But I still think that the Raptors, the most important thing going forward, you know, they said it on the broadcast, actually, like TSN quite a bit tonight. They talked about the future is Scotty, direction of the team. Four days off between games, I guess they noticed what the the talk was, uh, that what people were talking about after a 9-11 and 11 start. But if you want to make that happen, it's probably not going to be super successful. successful. But that's what it has to be. You have to, because Pascal, who knows what happens with Pascal? Who knows? But you just have to be able to prioritize Scotty. And James says, I'd rather watch Scotty run the team and lose than watch Dennis run the team and lose. Wait a second. Yeah, like I, that's the truth. Dennis has a lot of the ball, more of the ball than I think he should. And uh, it's it's been tough. Pascal and Scotty are both trying to find the right spaces to exist on this roster. You know, Pascal has, I think, done quite brilliantly in a lot of ways. And all of that is being <laughs> underserved by the fact that, you know, he went one of one tonight, but he went on a, what, like a five of 52 three-point shooting stretch. I wrote about it on RaptorsRepublic.com. Like Pascal is cutting way more. He is you know, playing a different role on defense, which allows Scotty to thrive in a role defensively. Pascal has been one of the best post-up players in the NBA. He's been a good passer. He's doing everything, but shooting the ball is really important. And he's actually having his best mid-range shooting season ever, including a ton of pull-ups, including a ton of difficult shots. But guess what? All of that will get underrated and all of that becomes less important if you shoot 19% from three. If Pascal was shooting 30, 31%, he would be so objectively like an all-star player this season, but he isn't. And so all this stuff compounds. It's been really tough. And so Pascal has had some trouble. Scotty's had some trouble. And Dennis being put in a role where his usage is really high relative to what it's been the past few years is having trouble, especially taking that much defensive attention and especially moving through so many actions where there's not really much being created. It's a tough offensive environment. And even to that point, uh, OG, like he had 23 and six tonight on eight of 13 shooting. This is a guy who is doing extremely well in that more limited role. But this is also a guy who definitely wants a larger role, will be an unrestricted free agent and has seen his role a little bit smaller. 
it's tough. If there's a lot of things, this is why I thought, like, when I was talking to Masai at media day, I was like, it is odd to go into the offseason with this many unrestricted free agents. Like, this doesn't happen very often. And he was like, yeah, is this about Fred? I was like, no, it's not about Fred at all. I'm thinking about the team right now. This is, this is odd. Um, but, yeah, uh, I guess to keep it more on the game, uh bench stuff i thought that precious i know he comes out as a minus four in this game but i thought that precious like as a cutter had a couple tremendous moments i think that he played pretty good defense there were a couple miscommunications um two or three but uh there were also like the live dribble carried the ball in transition really difficult to see there's always going to be like some stuff that doesn't click or it's kind of like a hiccup like oh not reading the floor super well but I think that overall Precious had like a really strong game off the bench. Malachi only played six minutes. They moved away from that because Gary was obviously playing a ton and Otto got like a really long stretch. And the crazy thing is, man, I don't know if Otto and like, so Ali Dez says anyone else done with Otto? How is he still getting minutes? Here's the crazy part, man. Otto by my eye was like completely underwhelming. He was a plus 14. <laughs> like what? It's, it's some, some guys, they just end up winning minutes through no consequence of their own. And this was Otto tonight. Like, yes, he's positionally sound defensively. Yes, he's, you know, yes, he helps provide spacing. Teams respond to him and step a little bit farther out. Like, you'll have more driving lanes. There's passive stuff. But as far as like the non-passive, just doing stuff he was 0 for 2 he missed both his threes he, he had an assist a steal and a block sure he had a turnover he had two fouls and he walks away with his 14 minutes with a plus 14 plus 14 is not you know plus minus isn't everything obviously and you can be a passenger in lineups but it is kind of funny that auto like i i see um i see people talking about it and like it makes sense after a game like this, Otto gets a lot of attention as like a guy who will help off of the bench, a guy who helps the Raptors stay in scheme, a guy who can slide into a lot of different places. And it's like he comes away plus 14 on, in a game where he it felt like he touched the ball two times the whole time. He obviously did more, but um, that either speaks to how easy it is to get carried, how easy it is to win minutes in the new NBA where three-point variance is really high, you know, like even in this game alone, there were massive runs, like six massive runs, uh, four by the Heat, two by the Raptors, like just these, sometimes the threes go down and sometimes they don't. And you could just happen to be on the floor during that run. Like I remember to start this season, Pascal had like the worst luck in on-offs. I think the first seven or eight games, teams were shooting something like 24% better from three with Pascal on the floor, you can't control for that. In fact, teams and like high-level decision makers think that defenses can control for three-point frequency, like volume, but you it's really tough to control for three-point percentage. So to see like, oh yeah, Pascal steps on the floor, somehow the teams are shooting 24% better from three, you don't actually, you're not supposed to have a takeaway from that. It's just like, I guess some threes fell. And I like, while Otto was good defensively tonight, 
when I see plus 14, I just think, I guess some threes fell on, on both sides. Um, yeah. And then also, like James mentions, they're not playing auto uh, much and he's ice cold. Um, you'd rather see him play over Flynn. I thought that Flynn, you know, he, he was a minus three if we're doing the, the plus minus battles. But I thought that Flynn had a couple of really nice plays tonight. Live dribble drive, little shovel pass off to Precious after attacking the closeout for a dunk. That's really nice. Um, relocated around the ball entry into the middle of the zone for a three. That was really nice. And he only played six minutes in this game. In this game, I thought that Malachi was better in his minutes than Otto was in his. But overall, I think that Otto is probably still a better player than Malachi. But the thing is, and here's here's the thing, it's the shooter thing all over again. Darko likes having a point guard run his offense. He likes, if Scotty's out there with the bench unit, for Malachi to be out there as well, because he wants Malachi moving the Raptors through their actions instead of <laughs> instead of uh, Scotty. And he does move them through faster. It just, would it behoove them to try and, you know, have Scotty play more of those like point guard style possessions? Maybe. That's what a lot of people want. But it's, uh, who knows, man? It's, it's kind of tough. Um, channel says, how many all NBA players can you think of who have received the treatment Pascal has received from this front office slash slash coaching staff since June? It's quite strange. I think that uh, Pascal not getting the extension offer is odd. And you have to go searching pretty far for an all-star or all NBA level player, a guy who gets those accolades to not receive the extension. Uh, as far as like Darko... I think Darko, a lot of what he talked about with the Raptors front office when he was trying to get the job, a lot of afterwards was like, you know, it, it, he's thinking about the future of this team. He's a developmental coach, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that Pascal and the Raptors are probably like a little bit far apart right now. And I think that Darko is a really great, like interpersonal guy. A lot of the players love him. I think he's probably made great inroads with Pascal as far as just like working together, finding what works for him. But I think that like the reason why Pascal didn't get that extension largely is so that he wouldn't be trade ineligible. Like, because if he signs the extension, you can't trade him for Albert Long. And the reason why, you know, initially Darko didn't talk about Pascal that much, I think is because they like Pascal was being discussed in trades and all that kind of stuff. And then obviously from the other side of that, there's the very clear reporting that um, Pascal was saying no to some places about signing an extension there, which obviously makes it more difficult for teams to pony up the packages because they don't want to trade for one season of Pascal. If they're trading to get a guy like that, they want to re-sign him. And if he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to re-sign with you guys and put pen to paper, then it creates a lot of different competing conceptions of what's supposed to happen next. And so while I think that how Pascal was some of the words and uh, the way that he was described uh, his game was described. I thought was like less than complimentary from his incumbent team. I thought that was tough. Uh, but as far as like, uh, as far as like what's actually happening here, um, I think that Pascal, especially over the past, like there's a clear line of demarcation between the first seven games and the 14 that have followed since and I think that his usage in the offense has been largely like pretty clever. 
they go to way more um, early stuff in the post when they can. They disguise more of their actions to get him the ball down low. He's also picked up his cutting frequency, his cutting efficiency. He's also taken a role defensively that requires like him guarding more guards, more fleet of footed people. And there's like a, har- a harmony there. But the thing is that it's just not like a super easy fit with the lack of shooting. And especially when Pascal shoots so poorly from three. I hope it turns around. He is in like an unprecedented slump since 2018-19 for his three-point shot. But I guess we'll see what happens. He was one of one tonight. But it's it's been an awkward situation, I guess I would say, between both parties. Um, it's Yeah, it's been... It's been strange. Uh, but yeah, Gary, I thought, had a great night off the bench. The plus seven, not a passenger in those minutes. He had 15 points, two assists, two boards. I think that his, and he was kind of playing out what I thought was the reason for why I wanted Gary in the starting lineup to start this season. He was helping provide a lot of spacing. He was, when the Raptors are getting that 1.5 or that double on the post up, or getting low, or just seeing so much defensive attention. And the Heat, in particular, are a team that they're not a one-closeout team. They're very similar to the Raptors of old, because the Raptors of old are a team that's like, we need to close out to move that guy off ball. Like, move the ball away from this guy. We need to make them move so we can catch up at the end of the shot clock. Like, the ball moves faster than players, but if we combine in space with length, we'll get to the ball eventually. So having Gary as a guy who like pump, put it down, find the shot. Great. Having it be that like the side top side action that eventually finds him in the corner. Great. Um, And especially like being able to pump, put the ball down and get to like floater area. Great. I mean, he got called for, you know, an offensive foul on the one, but the heat are trying to make the ball move. They want to move the ball elsewhere. Having a guy like Gary in this game where the buck stops with him, he's like, I'll put the shot up and having him go like 45% from the field, 43% from downtown. That's super helpful. And it also helps affect how other teams guard the Raptors primaries. If if you're just going to move the ball on and somebody asked earlier, you know, why Pascal only had one shot attempt in the third quarter. It's because of how much it, well, A, I think they didn't go to him enough. Uh, like, I think that, he was, and some of this applies to Scotty. Some of this applies to Pascal. Is like, when you have the advantage, don't give it up. And when the offense is kind of forgetting you, you have to like, you have to demand it. And I think that Pascal was maybe a little bit too passive in the third quarter. But also when he got the ball, there he would just see so much attention. He'd move the ball in. He'd make the right read. And then they don't end up with a point. Shots can be missed elsewhere. And that play, his usage percentage doesn't go up. And, you know, it's kind of like passive, all that kind of stuff. But what else are you supposed to do besides make the right play? Like, how many times did we see Pascal bring the double almost to the baseline? Like, almost to the baseline. And that puts the Heat in a position where they have to X out, right? Which means that the guy isn't helping. The double isn't recovering to his man. The guy is coming from who is sitting in the slot. He's going to recover out to above the break on the same side as Pascal. Usually Dennis, maybe it was OG. OG is going to move the ball quickly to where the rotation just came from. Okay, there's a guy coming now recovering out there and X out. Then they have to move the ball to the corner. That's where the Heat weren't able to recover to. 
Why? Because if they had tried to beat the rotation out to the corner, they would have left the short side pass into the paint. This is what, you know, was happening. This is the basketball. That's why doubles are so hard to make work. But if the ball just keeps moving and the Raptors don't do it quick enough, or if the shooting, if the shot is missed at the end of it, be it at the corner, or they don't get to the other guy above the break quickly enough, these are just missed shots. And it's a little bit underwhelming. But if you create wide open three-point shots for your teammates, you kind of throw your hands up in the air. What else are you supposed to do? I mean, he had 30 points, six assists, four boards, and he did it on 13 shots. He was sublime. Uh, we, I would have liked to see him go for 40, but that's not how the Heat were playing him. And people probably would have got, gotten upset if he was just shooting over double teams the whole night, <laughs> which, you know... Uh, maybe, maybe that would have ended up in better offensive outcomes as far as like points per possession, maybe, but it's not better offensive process that much, uh, I'm sure of. And it's just tough in this game. Like Scotty had one of his worst games of the season. The, the heat did a fantastic job guarding him. And also Scotty did like had trouble making shots that sometimes he does make. He had trouble penetrating within live dribble. He just, they were bothering his dribble a ton. He didn't want to get into the tight areas. There's a reason why towards the end of the game, Scotty started taking the ball up more often in like pseudo transition where the heat weren't available to like pull and tag from the same positions. This he's like, sees the one guy in the strong side corner and he's like, okay, I'm going to try and get to the rim. See how that goes. If he collapses, I'll just go to the corner. We see him make that read all the time. We see that kind of stuff all the time. And how did he end up actually scoring his points for the most part? Getting after it on the offensive glass and hitting catch and shoot threes. Uh, the one off of a Pascal post up where the heat loaded up coming from not the one pass away, but two passes away. And so Pascal just made the skip. Different ways to skin a cat is the Dwayne Caseyism, right? Well, maybe it's not his, but he used to say it a lot. I don't know where he got it from. Maybe when Detroit is in town, I'll ask him about all his colloquialisms. Uh, but yeah, tough game for the Raptors. Uh, they did some things right, but not enough, which has been, you know, kind of how the season's been going so far this season. Um, uh, I see people talking about, I'll just take that as the question I'll answer before I get out of here. I see a lot of people talking about um, the, uh, oh, I can put the the comments on screen. Look at me learning stuff. Okay, so we got a comment from Grantee at Nesta. I believe this is in uh, reference to, uh, I think, Darko, as far as his grade for this season. Um, D minus, or maybe this is for the, oh, good Lord, I'm already lost in it. Maybe this is for the, the front office, sorry. Okay, anyway, Grantee says, how do you grade Darko so far this season? That's what I'll talk about. Darko, I think, has done... A decent job so far this season but this is what i talked about in my piece before like in the middle of this four-day break is the raptors are basically they're doing things differently and maybe that means that they'll be end up being better but they this is a team limitations help set what you achieve just as much as strengths do and the raptors are you know after this game i'm sure their bottom, maybe even bottom three, half-court offense, bottom three, three-point shooting team, 
bottom 10 offense overall, top five transition offense, if maybe top six after this game, and like a top 12 defense. This is, I'd like, most of the people I talked to thought this is what it would look like. You can go watch the outside looking in episodes that I did where this was exactly what I thought the team would be. Like as far as the placements, the percentiles, there this is it. So Darko hasn't been able to coach the Raptors past their limitations. But truthfully, neither was Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse didn't either. And Nick Nurse is a very good coach. Nick Nurse needed to go because of personality stuff, because of locker room stuff. So what's changed? The Raptors are still underachieving. The Raptors lost a point guard who is at the very least a positive player had been an all-star a couple years previous right and and coming back instead was a mid-level exception guard maybe some people think that's an upgrade maybe some people think it's a downgrade whatever it ends up being similar team doing similar things to last season except yeah i guess post all-star break they were at or post Jakob trade they were at a 47 win pace based on you know their winning and their plus minus indicators all that kind of stuff but I just think Darko is doing like a perfectly fine job there are some nights I disagree with the rotation but he's a first year coach in his first season in the first 21 games and we uh we see a team that is trying to navigate the things that they're not very good at and he has to keep trying out different lineups to see who plays together, to see what kind of synergy he can find. Because you're going to find lineups that didn't work in the first 15 games that work in the next 15. You're going to find stuff like that. And Darko has to keep looking. So some nights I do disagree about who he's rolling out there and the efficacy of it, truthfully. But, like, this is the thing. He has to try and find it. And the Raptors are still a bad shooting team. The Raptors are still very low on live dribble creators. The Raptors are still limited by all the things that limited them last season. And to go back to what I started about, what I was talking about at the start, Masai trying to like wave away everything and say like selfishness. We won't be selfish this year. Cool. You built a team that doesn't shoot the ball well. You, you built a team that has such clear limitations in how they create offense. And this has been the stagnant, this has been the consistent aspect of the Raptors that has shown up every single year for years. And you just want to call it selfishness? Why? Why would it be selfishness? Why wouldn't it be the skill sets? Why wouldn't it be the limitations? Why would it have to be a character flaw? And guess what? The Raptors aren't good on offense this year. Are they selfish? Are they not selfish? Are they just maybe not good on offense for the third year in a row? A bottom five half-court offense for the third year in a row? You know? Why would we call this a character flaw when players, you don't have to call it their like character. You could just say, like, we should have built a better team that fits better. We need to do this kind of stuff. Why, why would it be character flaws? I hated that. I hated it. Hated it. Um, like, GMs, presidents, whoever, they can critique their players, certainly. 
and you can say we need to do x and y like if 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 masai came out and said like pascal needs to shoot better that's to that's totally fine you can look at the paper and see that like pascal needs to shoot better but like just hand waving like selfishness and stuff like that i god it just seems like lazy and it just it equips people with it gives them the go ahead to start like making players failures about like character flaws instead of like talking about basketball which to me is ridiculous this team fails at a lot of things because they're not good at some basketball skills this team isn't as good at the free throw line why because their high volume free throw shooters aren't super good free throw shooters and the guys who fill out the rest of the roster aren't either so what is happening here is it the mentality do they not have it no we have like thousands of free throws between everybody that create how we understand oh these guys shouldn't be a good free throw shooting team are they underperforming that to some degree sure but was this an expected outcome of this team sure was a bad three-point shooting an expected outcome of this team because of who's on the roster certainly you know you like i saw it before the season but everybody just saying like dennis will be a 40 percent three-point shooter just because he's like 34 35 right now which is about what you might expect for Dennis, who had 10 years of NBA tape coming into this. 10 years. Players don't just get different because somebody said, don't be selfish. Players don't just get different. Players are being defended by other NBA players, and they're trying their best to get around that defense. They're trying to do what they're good at. They're trying to do all this kind of stuff. Darko is not responsible for the Raptors' failures. He's not responsible for the successes. I think he's doing a great job navigating personalities. The players really like him. So I think that, I think that like Darko has done well. If the players like you and as a team like underperforms and as a team does all this kind of stuff, isn't falling apart, I think you've done it like a perfectly fine job. I disagree with some things, but on the whole, I like a lot of what the Raptors do given their limitations, but you still run into those limitations. The players determine the outcomes for the most part, good and bad. They're like, that's the truth of it. OG3 says, Scotty taking a giant leap from three and it still hasn't mattered. LOL, Masai is unserious. That's like, I, I'm i not on record saying Masai is unserious for what it's worth. <laughs> but uh, I, already, I got the mic taken <laughs> on the media day. But here's the thing. That's pretty crazy, right? Scotty made this giant leap. And the Raptors didn't get better. So what is missing here, right? Like if you were the person building this team and you said, Scotty's going to make the all-star leap this season. And by all counts, Scotty should certainly be in the conversation. I know this wasn't his night, but he should be in the conversation. Like how do we prioritize our young star? And how do we like the guy who's making that leap, who's shooting the three really well, who's been a plus defensively, who's helping guide some offense as an initiator. How do you, how do you make that happen? The team is worse. Like if Scotty made, and again, Scotty is making this jump. Some of it is getting a little bit more of the ball, certainly. But he had a summer where he put in a bunch of work. We're seeing the fruition of that. Yes. Like, it can be that. Some people, I'm probably sure, think it's like, Fred is gone, so Scotty does all this stuff better. I'm sure some people see it that way. But it's it's more likely that 
Yes, Fred is gone, so Scotty gets more of the ball. And with more of the ball, he gets a summer of work, and he comes back from that summer not shooting 29% from three, but like 38 and on high volume. And he's running in transition more. He gets more transition possessions. That's, that's a product of Fred being gone too. And the team is worse. Your young star made the consequential, huge deal, all-star leap, and the team got worse. What are you doing with the rest of the team? What is the team building? What is going on? That's the kind of stuff. And I don't think it's because of Darko. I've been ranting and raving. My goodness. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, geez. Um, I think that's about where I'll leave it. Uh, to all the people hanging around, uh, thanks for asking the questions. You guys are always insightful, interesting, and thoughtful. Um, makes these conversations or these streams a lot easier. Um, but yeah, I'm going to call quits on that. I'm going to go maybe play some FIFA or something like that. I made a, I made a FIFA team called Labor FC in the Premier League. And the premise is that the, <laughs> the, the laborers of, uh, of England have come together and that's their team. And so it's, uh, that's what I'm doing for anybody <laughs> who's interested. Make sure to like the video before you get out of here. Uh, thanks to all the people listening. It's a blast as always. And uh, people listening on their walks in the morning, late at night, whatever it is. Thanks for tuning in on the podcast apps. And uh, hell yeah, uh, <laughs> anti-Rexham FC. That's right. That's absolutely correct. They're stuck in the second championship league, right? And uh, I'm up in the Premier League. That's right, Nesta. Okay, uh, who's my favorite footy team? Uh, my friend introduced me to Paul Pogba in like 2013. And so Juventus was my favorite team in my formative football watching years. And I also really liked Raheem Sterling when he was on Liverpool. And so I stuck around with both of those teams. So in the Premier League, I like Liverpool. In the Serie A, I like Juventus. And I understand Juventus is like the Northern Italy team. I get it. I understand the politics a little bit better now. And I guess I jumped on at the same time that Juventus started winning, what, like however many um uh, championships in a row but um liverpool is the team trent alexander arnold is sick man uh yeah anyway i'm uh, just talking about the premier league on this podcast i'm sure people hate this my apologies to everybody okay like the video on your way out everybody listening thank you so much and whether you got into this in the morning or at night have a blessed day and goodbye